Welcome to What's the Word Downtown, a weekly podcast dedicated to mining the depths of the word, a word that's sharp and active in downtown Tyler, Texas. Join Eric, Matt, and Mike as we get the word out at Bethel. Hey, we're back. Welcome to What's the Word Downtown with Matt and Eric. Uh, We're still looking at Ephesians, and this week we're in Ephesians 4. We started out Ephesians 4 yesterday. It was a barn burner. Thank Mm. you for your preparation and your elocution uh, and your thoughtful uh, articulation of a rich passage. I had some really good notes, I thought. Well, let me just say, that was the greatest introduction. Like, I'm pretty much done. So that level of... Cajun man style, elocution, mm-hmm. articulation. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. I appreciate that. Thank I know. You. I knew you would. And listen, the night. table. I must say, the table was pretty well set by the time you guys got off the platform. It was. We were a great morning. We were grateful Good for morning. a great set. Lots of truth. We sung and heard ourselves sing. Uh, we're now. Uh, we're now at really talking about unity and what a prescient message this is for oh, Paul uh, to write to us uh, because. Unity is something that we have had, and we do have, and we appreciate, uh, and yet we have to contend for it. And not to contend for it, but to contend that people would see that it exists irrespective of our yeah. of our circumstances, which fluctuate without end. So um, what were some of the, as you, as you started out, um, you know, I really felt that you were hammering throughout an appreciation of not you do you, not you go be you, not not you on the Marlboro man, you know, yeah. uh, but but that you uh, become more you as to the degree you are connected to the body of Christ. Absolutely, I see it so much. We talked about it a little bit mm-hmm. yesterday as well, but there is such a right and righteous desire in all of the world for unity, for peace, for harmony. Everybody wants that. There's a very few people in the entire population that want discord and destruction. Did Those you are... notice the Super Bowl this year? Yeah. It I mean, the, the Chiefs sucked. No offense, <laughs> local boy. But, but man, uh, the, the commercials were full of pithy, uh, you know, uh, platitudes. Totally. Everybody wants togetherness. That. And if you don't want that, then you kind of are a sociopath. I mean, yeah. everybody wants peace and harmony. Yeah. The but they want is, it on their terms. Exactly. Yeah. And so so it's unity on my terms. We'll have unity if everyone agrees. I mean, mm-hmm. it's even the old John mm-hmm. Lennon song. Mm-hmm. Imagine everyone mm-hmm. basically agreeing with me. Imagine no religion. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. sort of this continuous refrain of we can do this if everyone just agrees with essentially whoever's marketing the message. But Paul's saying, no, we have it already, and we don't have to agree with one another. We agree with him. Mm-hmm. But we say it all the time. What this is affords me the luxury. I get to just say, listen, it doesn't matter what I think about God. Mm-hmm. My job, our job, is to say, this is what God says mm-hmm. about God. This is what God says about mm-hmm. what he's done and the spirit and the, the gathering of the people. So we don't have to agree with one another. Mm-hmm. We get to because we get to agree with the higher one. And that is actually community. That's the shared love, admiration, respect, fealty to another. That's actually what builds community, mm-hmm. not an ideal or a cause or a mm-hmm. program. It's when 
people actually share love for something higher, bigger than themselves, and it happens to be a person, that's, I would think, is the only real biblical model of community. Well, one of the things that I used to really fear as an artist or as an individual, as me, Mm -hmm. me being me, was that if I submit to God, if I that I that that I'm gonna lose, yeah, I'm gonna lose some some essence that I had, that, or sort of, some sort of sense of there's a part of me that uh, that I can't carry into the church, that and mm. and what I what I wrote yesterday as you were talking is that isn't it maybe maybe what's happening is that that there's a harnessing of the fullness of your individuality for the benefit of the church and the glorification of Jesus. Jesus, who is ultimately, he's the ultimate individual, right? Sure. Right. You talked about this, the whole being greater than the sum of its parts, but that's not to denigrate no. the sum of its parts. That's not to, to, to denigrate the individual beauty of each believer. Right. Uh, but there's something, and there's something about the spirit that coalesces all of our individuality to work together to glorify God and to and yeah. for our mutual encouragement. I need you to be as you as you can be, right? Utterly you is what yeah, I need. Utterly. I need my wife to be utterly her, mm-hmm. which is, as we now know, in Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole idea that every single person is imago dei, redeemed or not, they're still mm-hmm. created in the image of God. There is some unique facet, some reflective property that every human being mm-hmm has the capacity and the created design to reflect the image of God. Mm. And you're never more human, you're never more alive than you are perfectly reflecting that image. I mean, that's why the Bible repeatedly tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Mm -hmm. He's the ultimate human. It's the gospel of Luke. Jesus is the man. And, and we being, him being firstborn among many brethren, that's it. That's it. we're coming behind him in the same Imago Dei reflection that's right. uh, of, of God. And we're moving towards that. Isn't, have we got to the big word poema yet? We got to it in chapter okay, two. So, so that was chapter two. But, he's, and, but he's, it's going to come up some more. And the idea being, you know, workmanship and artistry. We've said it a couple weeks ago. We're going to say it again. How do you paint a portrait of an infinite God? You can't, but what you can do is paint a unique image on an infinite number of canvases. And that's the plan. So that's why there's not just one Adam in the garden. There's Adam and Eve. And what is God's directive? Be productive, be fruitful and multiply. Make more image bearers. And so that those people will fully manifest, resemble, represent, reflect the image of their creator. And that's what Jesus kicked off when the Christ event happens, as he kicks off this now beginning forward, this echoing forward of people who are beginning to be fully Imago Dei. He and, was the ultimate one. And and the first ones to get that, seemingly, were those who were cut off from the life of God, the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they're... Of all the things. The, I, I wrote here something about the... Uh, the a cosmic lasso, you know mm. that 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 God has lassoed in and gathered in uh, all those who were far off, and then those who were those who were close are still uh, that is the Jews at least at this time contextually 
were, uh, in a sense, cut off from the life of God because of their religion. Yeah. Now, can we can we talk frankly about that? Yeah. I so, mean, the camera's rolling. We should. But I, I, listen, I think what you've said just then and what mm-hmm. you opened up with is one of the hesitations that a lot of people have in giving themselves to the faith is that, yeah, Jesus or the Father lassoed us in, and now he's going to, like, put his brand on me. He's going to hmm. sort of take away my identity. He's going to, to use the... Uh, agricultural and ranching metaphor mm-hmm. is just make a bunch of steers mm-hmm. and well, we all fear that but that's not it at all mm-hmm. it's taking someone who is an enemy far from God pursuing them, tracking them down mm-hmm. and making them all that they were originally created to be by grace not I'm going to rip out the thing that makes you you, I'm going to super you it yeah, in Christ and you're going to super you it in Christ and within your context Whatever context you're, whatever context that you're experiencing, <clears throat> uh, there's a brokenness about it. There is a dehumanizing reality to this world, for which the only solution is the individuality of Christ. That's right. That He has tucked us into. Yeah. Uh, I was telling you, you and Mike, about one of my favorite songs uh, by by Bob Seger. So I feel like oh, a, yeah. I feel like a number. number. Yeah. I feel like I'm just I'm just another number in line. <clears throat> I was telling Megan through the COVID that nothing upset me more than going uh, through Chick Fil A, right? Where no no offense, Joshua, uh, that, <laughs> where they where they added like three lanes, you know, and it was stopping traffic on Broadway while everybody's driving through in their little box to get their little rations of chicken, you know, that they're just sending it out. And we're all just like in the feed line or something. Yeah. I, I said, there's something so dehumanizing right. about all of this COVID separation, mm-hmm. because what is it that brings us our humanity, but the body of Christ, which returns us to the reality that we are. He is the firstborn among many brethren and we are his and we come behind him in our, the fullness of our individuality. Like we're actually, actually freed to be who we are because we're loved. Right. And so Ephesians 4, this massive pivot from all this doctrine, the very first thing that Paul talks about is us. Mm-hmm. Like after all that amazing, amazing presentation of all that God has done in salvation, the very first thing he says is now us. And I think it's because he knows there's a gravity to our depravity that wants to pull us apart. There's this entropy that wants to pull us apart and separate. And so Paul, like the very first thing he does is he starts grouting the tile, Mm. right? Let's put this together. Let's make Mm. this mosaic. It cannot be disparate and flung off. And you can almost see Paul like sitting in jail in Rome, like clawing the walls going, I got to get to them. I got to get to them before they flitter off into the ether. It's that important. So you got all these image bearers who are, enemies of God through rebellion and sin who are lassoed in, like you said, who are super themed mm-hmm. in Christ. And now when you put them together, Philistine, Frenchman, Ephesian, Greek, whatever, and they all actually love Jesus, it's this wonderful, again, this picture of what eternity is going to be like. Not boring and pastel. There's no sitting on a cloud playing a harp, that's a that's a far side cartoon. Love far side, incidentally. Mm-hmm. But that's not real. It's people who've been super themed in Christ mm-hmm. together 
for all eternity. Mm. And so I think Paul, it's like his favorite thing. Mm. This Pharisee of Pharisees who was playing the game of elevation by way of putting his hands on other people's heads and mm. pushing them down, that was the whole game. Now it's like, no, 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 here's the beauty. Mm-hmm. We get low and we raise everybody up. Mm-hmm. When we do that, we actually get super mead in Christ. Mm. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, through a large part of the last couple centuries, and the church has not done a good job of that. We've celebrated individuality, which has a place, but at the cost of us. Even We talk about it all the time, dude. Yeah. All, our, some of our songs. Mm-hmm. Telling God what I'm going to do for him. Telling God how much I love him and telling God how obedient I'm going to be. <laughs> it's kind of laughable. So I'm thankful that we do songs that are really corporate, that it's about us. Here we are. This is our need. He's our God and Savior, King and Lord, all that. So I e- we get it perfectly. And eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Yeah. And and. When we don't have, when we, this is such a, it's such a, um, I, I don't want to say it's an abstraction, but we really have to preach to our minds so that our hearts can fall in love with God again and his yeah. truth or, or we're upside down, uh, because we have, we have unity, but we don't always enjoy unity. That's it. We have unity, but we don't always reckon it to be so. And we go about seeking our own ways, and then we wonder why we feel far from people. And I, I think it's just now, as COVID seems to ease a little bit, we're kind of coming out of this time where uh, there's been a, an, a, an appreciation for all the things that maybe we took for granted. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, you know, we're preaching, we're, you're, you pointed on it yesterday we're preaching the the, we're preaching maintenance of the unity that we have and that's not just your job as a pastor it's not just you know it's it 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 falls on everyone in our body to to believe and to uh reach out for one another it's a tapestry isn't it yeah uh, that we have together god is weaving us and especially through some of these times that are you know beyond our control. It's an amazing image that Paul is making, which is consistent with what Jesus was doing in the Gospels, where when people who are effectively broken bones or tattered nets, when they get mended, set, fixed, healed, the word Paul uses here is equipped, then how egregious is it to then set back as a as a healed one and not go and be effective and impactful in pursuing those who are also broken bones and tattered nets. Mm-hmm. That those who are broken, we say it all the time, wounded healers. Mm-hmm. Wounded healers make the most empathetic caretakers. Mm-hmm. Who better than the people of the church to pursue and set bones and mend nets? Unfortunately, oftentimes it's tooth and claw mm-hmm. in the church and then from the church. And that, I think, has to grieve the heart of God. Yeah. It certainly grieved the heart of Paul. Yeah. So when he says this, man, it is not only do we have the, the bond of peace and, and unity now. We don't need to burn any calories trying to have unity. We have it. What we should be burning calories is finding broken bones and tattered nets mm. 
and equipping them and unleashing them. So we try to say it all the time, even down in this context in our building, it's a visual metaphor for what we want to be about, to bring people in, to gather them in by hook or crook or cinnamon roll or Ethiopian single origin coffee, to bring them in, to move them up into worship, to declare his excellencies, who he is, what he's done, and therefore who we are, and then to send them out to yes. set bones and mend nets. And when you talked about the baptism being <clears throat> being a baptism into us, a baptism, baptism not only unto us, but yeah. into us, uh, that we were raised to walk in the newness of life, and the newness of life is... Uh, is found in the connectivity, the space between our shoulders and yeah. the Holy Spirit drawing our hearts together and loving kindness and, and encouragement and all of that. I mean, it's just that's that's where it's at. When you also talked about parenting mm. and that Paul does some parenting, yeah. Paul says some things of us that we need to hear and that we don't we just can't quite hear uh, from our parents sometimes, right. either because they're not good parents or they don't have the words. The Proverbs, we hear that parents do the best that they can, but right. it's a systemic brokenness, isn't it, mm-hmm. child rearing, that has to be infused uh, with the truth of God for it to to have to be ultimately efficacious psychologically and spiritually for our kids. And and when when we're not getting through to our kids, the best thing we can pray is that there will be alternative voices. And you've said many times yeah. that, that that looking out around and seeing your son going and sitting with oh. Ken and Sue or just having these sort of familial relationships with yeah. people that, that they're not actually, there's no blood that connects them. But what we know is that uh, the, 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 the blood of the cross is stronger than the water of the womb. No doubt. Oh. <laughs> Which is the reverse way of saying blood is thicker than water. Right. You know? But really, the blood of the cross is thicker than the water of the womb and that that those familial engagements that God breathes us into and brings us into uh, are transformative ultimately for the church and Paul knows that even though yeah. he's handcuffed in prison you know it's some, sometimes it's like you know when you haven't eaten for days it's like oh man a cheeseburger let's think about a cheeseburger it's so tasty everybody enjoys it I remember the last time I had one here he is chained yeah. in prison saying maintain unity even though he feels maybe perhaps far off, right? He's got to believe against his evidence, against the evidence. Yeah, you know, it was what John was desperate for when he was in exile on Patmos. Same idea. He couldn't wait to be back with the fellowship on the Lord's day, declaring God's excellencies together with other wounded healers. Mm-hmm. And I think, hopefully, not when, but probably when, or if we lose that we begin to turn in on one another because we're going to burn calories on something. But what my son or what my sons need more than anything, yes, they need a mom and dad who love them and who are walking with the Lord. Yes. But just barely second to that, or maybe it's like one B yes. is they need other image bearers who are super themed in Christ that they can see, Hey, you know what? There's something to this. There is something to this, this, this Matt McGill guy my sons know that's a guy who, with all due love and respect, apart from Christ, is a powerful engine with no fins on that rocket. It's mm. just flying through space, knocking out satellites and wiping out villages. Yeah. I love that. It's, but super it was a hot mess. It was a hot mess, I'll tell <laughs> but you. But now my sons and the other students of this congregation go, look at that guy, super hemmed in Christ. There's something to this. This is, man, not that I want to be Matt. But that there's some veracity 
There's some tenacity to what happens in us, and that's part of the community. That who, who else could pull this off? Not some political ideology, not even some religious narrative. It's a person. And so, yes, Paul does some amazing counseling, pastoring, <laughs> parenting, and it's like Jesus, right? Of course. Yeah. It's like Jesus when Jesus decides to rename Shmon, son of Jonah. Yeah. His parents named him Simon, son of John, but Jesus calls him Peter, Cephas in Aramaic, Petros in Greek, Peter. Yeah. Jesus names him Rocky. Yeah. It's like you take Dilbert and you name him Sylvester Stallone. He doesn't name him as he actually is because then he, he would have named him. things that are not as though they are. That's exactly yeah. it because he would have named him Shaky or Flaky if that was the case. But right. no, he calls him Peter because he says, I know when I super you, you, this is what you're going to be. And so Jesus names him Peter. And in the same way, Paul's going, look, I'm, I'm telling you, this is who you are in Christ. Walk as though it's true. Okay, so I've been thinking a lot lately about the relationship between... Um, resistance and acquiescence or like when you say super you'd you know when it's like I have been harnessed that I would that I would uh, that God would then refashion me as a conduit for Mm -hmm. all of that you know multi-variegated grace that you speak about from was it first Peter Mm -hmm. where he talks about the church being like a kaleidoscopic Mm -hmm. you know and that um, that from now on, my days are spent uh, fleeing from temptation, mm-hmm. uh, confessing where I haven't mm-hmm. and didn't, relishing God's grace all the more. Sometimes through having you know those kind of face to palm face to palm moments, uh, but that there's a sense of. Uh, there's something in me that needs to be resisted. There's something in me that needs to be starved. There's, and I think we call it the flesh or we yeah. call it the gut or whatever, you know, uh, but that, that there is something in me that needs resistance, right? That God needs to harness and hold back. And there's or, some that or, say it better. Or chisel it off. Mm. I mean, so harness is a metaphor and it's good. Maybe it's just aim and focus. Mm-hmm. and adjust the fins mm-hmm. on that engine. Yeah. And then there's some barnacle material on mm-hmm. the side of that fuselage that we said a couple weeks ago, that the word is the chisel and the spirit is the hammer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes God says, hey, you know, you're flying a little wavy. Let's take something and knock a chunk of that off. And, but I like that part, but it's but it's not who I was created to have. Well, and, and I know that, that we most likely will not endure physical crosses. They, they right. probably won't crucify you and me. Right. Probably. It's a big job if they try. Just uh, but, uh, but are we granted the image of our Savior on a cross to become more accepting of the little sea crosses that we must endure? That we find ourselves Ooh, there. Heavy. Do we find ourselves there with him conceptually? Do we? Has he tucked us into that as well so that our experiences of chiseling as painful as they might be, do have a refining reality. No irredeemable harm can befall the child of God, even though the child of God will will necessarily find himself on a cross because our sinful 
conceptions of what our, the way our life should go do not match up with God's sovereign plan. And sometimes that feels like death. Mm. So there, there has to be some relinquishment. Totally. And I just wonder here uh, if, if, if that's not an opportunity for us to think about it in that way and to find, find ourselves comforted that, in a sense, though he, though he has overcome the cross, he still remains there in so much as we need a suffering servant. Mm. Not one that just suffered once and it's done, but we need to know that when we suffer, when we experience dislocation, either individually or collectively, even as a church, this is a time when we're going through some like, you know, it's like the night after a really weird party and we're just kind of, we're kind of picking up the pieces a little bit and trying to make sense of what was this COVID? How did God superintend COVID for our particular, in our particular context, whether it be my family or Bethel downtown? Does God have a superintention? Is he seeking to mm. learn? Are we seeking to teach us something through this? And we don't want to look into the hidden things of God too much, but we need to be available to discern the way that we should go based on um, the experiences we've had. or And the truth of God. You know, I, That's a lot I threw at you. <clears throat> no, I think it's right on, though. And I think you know the, the whole of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament, and then in, even including some great extra-biblical stuff like the wisdom of Solomon, it's all about trying to produce or to really receive is probably a better verb, proper perspective. That's really the whole nutshell of wisdom is proper perspective, seeing it rightly. We say it all the time. Wisdom is seeing the world through God's eyes. David said, number my days. Help me to know the number yeah, of my days right. so that I'll have a proper perspective on, on how small my life is. But the trouble for us is we don't see it from God's perspective because we experience time. And for us, time is the great, great Everest experience. It's time. Because right now, if I'm suffering or right now, if something's being either chiseled off or something's being refined through a fire and a, a, a heat mm-hmm. season, it's it's the time, the succession of moments that is really, really hard. You so don't know how long it'll last. You don't. You yeah. don't know how it's going to end either. Mm-hmm. We like to have needlepoint platitudes hung on our walls, mm-hmm. but sometimes... Jesus makes martyrs of folks. Someone said we only drive through life with a rearview mirror. That's it. That's it. And so because of that, we have to decide in advance how we're going to respond when these things come. James says, count it all joy Mm -hmm. and not do the thing that so much church does where we turn in on each other. The Mm -hmm. old unfortunate truism is that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Well, inevitably, Mm -hmm. We're all going to be hurt at some level, financially, relationally, uh, health-wise, mm-hmm. whatever. So we get to decide in advance to have a proper perspective. And then when we screw it up royally, to decide in advance, to give grace, to default, to give you the benefit of the doubt, to actually not take it personally. I mean, by the way, this is good parenting. Mm-hmm. This is good marriage counseling. It's great church polity. It's Hey, listen, when she does that thing, when he says that thing, to go, whoa, where's that coming from? Mm-hmm. It's not really probably personal. There's probably some hurt there. Mm-hmm. And we get to love them and eagerly strive to maintain the bond of peace in the unity of the Spirit, which does not come just on autopilot. Mm-hmm. It does require some intentional centering, mm-hmm. which sounds Eastern, because it is. It's ancient Near Eastern. It's yeah. centering on the finished work of Christ. Yeah. When and you say centering, you're talking about 
the, our heart's affections? What have we turned our eyes upon? Yes. I mean, because it's what we look at, we reflect. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told somebody yesterday, they said something to me, and it was it got a little contentious. And I said, I know that you just said that, but I want to say to you, you didn't say that by the Spirit. Right. That didn't come by the Spirit. That came. That may have come by some way. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was anger. Maybe it was uh, melancholy. Whatever you know, it, it was. It was. But it, it, it was sort of the opposite of uh, what uh, what Jesus would say: "Flesh and blood hath not revealed right. that, but right. my spirit." I want to say there was some flesh and blood in that <laughs> right. statement. So, so what let's is, talk. Let's so how talk is Mike Hall doing? Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah, Mike. <laughs> sorry, uh, but you know, this is uh, this is it's really something to maintain. The peace, the peace by the Spirit, that is the bond of unity or the bond of peace. Um, I mean, this is it, it, what what Paul is describing is something that we savor down here. That it actually has a formative and transformative effect on our lives, week by week. It does, but that's but that's the mind change. That's the repentance, right? Mm-hmm. The rethinking of our thinking, and it's been so baked into us. For decades and decades in Western civilization and candidly in the Southern expression of Mm -hmm. the church in our nation, that it's about you and Jesus. It's about your personal relationship with Jesus. And there's no question that God redeemed individuals. But in view of all of that doctrine, in view of all of that mercy, just like in Romans, the very first thing is to expand, open, and change your mind to be us-oriented. It's it's so upside because, down because when Eve took, it, it was to have her eyes opened. Yeah, it was to be like God, and we are we are all of us walking around egos, <laughs> and and yeah. directors, actors, producers, screenwriters of our own p- drama, yes. and 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 that is too. I want to say this: that is too heavy a burden. And we're dangerously unqualified for the yes, role. Yes, right. we are actors, but the script comes by from God. I always think you people know. used to trash J.J. Abrams okay. for the whole treatment of how he got to and through the end of the series Lost. Okay. People were trashing him, and I thought, uh-huh. yeah, but you want to know what would have been even worse? Is if this guy had written the Lost series... Yeah. It would have been a flaming, flaming, uh-huh. just wreckage of or- orphans and kittens. It would have been terrible. Sure, sure. And yet, I still think somehow that I am the chief narrative orchestrator yeah. of, of me. Yeah. Just on autopilot. I know the ending to today that will satisfy. Right. So, God, could you just listen to me? <laughs> and resource. And that's a, that, that, that oftentimes is, uh, it, it characterizes the prayer life of people. God, you just don't understand yet. The plan that I have for my life. Right. If I can just talk to you more, right. then you'll figure it out, God. And if you'll just listen more closely. Yes. Yeah. And we all do it. Yeah. And God is not up there going tisk tisk. Right. It's not that. He's waiting and saying, I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard thing, I think, for me, for most of us to really internalize and embrace is that when we get it wrong, He's not a cranky old dad. He, he's amazing. And, and 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 we have no, and I say this all the time, we have no clearer proof that God loves us than the cross of Christ. Uh, oh, my goodness. The cross of Christ is the kiss 
the hug, the 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 prodigal uh, son's father embracing him, the ring on the finger, the fatted calf, the crosses, all of the all of that. But it's but it's a counterintuitive thing because where in the world would your God? Why? What good is a dead God? That's exactly right. And so I think when we say things like the word is the chisel and the spirit's the hammer. What I don't mean is just throwing it open to somewhere in Ezekiel and going, well, okay, I guess this is somehow. No, 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 no. I mean, really understanding and gleaning God's perspective that actually then transforms even my prayer life. It's just some of the greatest psychotherapy in existence where you start in prayer, not coming to God saying, well, I did it again, and I'm sure you're upset again. And I know, can I, Dad? Can I have the keys to the car anyway? Mm-hmm. Gosh, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you personally, it's transformative for me to begin saying in prayer. You know what? I am the kind of guy. This is what I do at my very best, and it's filthy rags. And yet, you are in the process of. I don't say this until this morning. <laughs> super meing me. You are ever increasingly. Removing that, thank you. You see me in Christ, thank you. So my confession is not a transaction. It's proclamation of it's agreeing with it's it's exactly right. It's agreeing with how He already sees me. And so what that does is it actually removes the heartburn, the angst, the hurt that frees me up to love you for your sake and to want your good Mm -hmm. above mine. Because I'm I'm set. Mm -hmm. I the the hurt's gone and it's there already. Mm -hmm. I have to. Receive it. And so again, when we sin, it's not that we lose our blessing, it's that we choose to not enjoy them, mm-hmm. which is lunacy. It's madness. Mm-hmm. But when we sin, we choose to not receive and enjoy the blessing, not to receive, but to we, not to enjoy and experience that blessing, which then prevents me from actually wanting your good above my own. And Paul's going, no, 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 no. Don't you see three chapters of he loves you? And now that should look like loving one another. Actively, intentionally, experientially. I mean, it's some of the most beautiful language that I think it's 2,000 years old. And it's precisely what the world needs even today on this side of the world. And there's so many varying circumstances and sufferings and disappointments and disillusionments and experiences and joys. I mean, what what is the common thing that we have? What what, what do we all have in common except the love of God in Christ Jesus? That's the unifying reality for the church. Eternally. Which is why he starts this chapter off by giving us the seven elements of oneness mm-hmm. that amazingly are based on the threeness. Mm-hmm. We have these seven elements of unity based on the Trinity. Like it's a little bit of an oxymoron and it's glorious. Mm-hmm. We've got one this, one this, one this because of the Father, because of the Son, because of the Spirit who are one and yet mm-hmm. three persons. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the model. So our loving one another is not just a good idea. It's not just good practice. It's rooted in the ontology, the essence, the nature of what God is. So it's a really big deal that we get to do this. That's exciting, man. Next week, you're going you're gonna to finish up four? Will you get really, all the way through four? New life, baby. New life at the end of chapter four. And then it gets super practical as we go into chapter five thereafter. Well, guys, I can't wait. 10 a.m., Sunday morning. We're going to do it Sunday this week again, right? Absolutely. Not not Saturday. Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Thanks for being with us. What's the word downtown? We'll see you next week.